Kent. My name is Jeff Rackle, but it is Tuesday, May 25th. Yeah, baby. Kicking off the uh, All 32 is what we're calling it here. That's uh, 32 previews. I think there are 32. Let's, let me count. Yes, 32 teams in the NFL. My math is correct. So uh, we're going to preview every single one of these teams now that we've got the draft stuff way in the rearview mirror. We've processed it all, and I have projections in hand. We're going to break that all down for you. So we will start today with the Arizona Cardinals, which is a pretty darn interesting team. I mean, hey, you look at what Kyler Murray was able to do last year. He was phenomenal for, well, the first half of the season for him. Technically speaking, it was the first nine weeks of the season, but his first eight games, he was the number one fantasy quarterback. But then, of course, he got banged up. From there, started running a little bit less. The rushing touchdown production fell off. The the passing production fell off a little bit. And he still was pretty freaking good when it was all said and done. But the... The downfall to looking at overall fantasy football numbers is, well, just what we saw with uh, with Kyler. The overall numbers paint a pretty favorable picture, say that he was basically an elite option, but he wasn't entirely an elite option when it mattered. I mean, week 14, if you needed Kyler to advance, 244 and one touchdown, uh, 13 for 47. I mean, he was great in week 15, That was against the Eagles, of course, where he threw for 406 and three scores, ran for a score as well, but you may not have been playing. And then when you needed a most in a fantasy championship round last year, 247, no passing scores for Kyler Murray. So in the fantasy playoffs, he threw for four passing scores. I mean, you definitely want more than that. Uh, He started so electric, definitely tailed off, but the good news is he should be good to go heading into this year, And and my projections absolutely love him. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people are going to ask this type of question. Like, it's always funny when I throw out the numbers uh, during the NFL draft. People are like, "He's literally just making these numbers up." No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I I wish I could make numbers like this up just off the top of my head. But uh, what I do with projections is pretty simple. I establish a run pass rate and an expected amount of plays per game for each team. Those, of course, will get adjusted based on opponent, right? Some opponents, you know, if you expect uh, a team to play from behind, then they are probably going to throw a little bit more. So that pass rate goes up a little bit. If you expect them to play from the lead, the run rate goes higher. The There are certain defenses uh, that, you know, are, are going to maybe force a faster pace of play or a slower pace of play. And then there are offenses who have a faster pace of play like this one. So that all goes into the hopper. Then you toss in the individual rates and then you can establish what to expect out of these guys. I have Kyler up over 4,000 passing yards, actually almost a 4,100 passing yards, 24 passing scores, which is the one area I think in my projections where I, I think it's totally reasonable. But remember, projections are a set of averages, right? The ceiling-floor combination for Kyler is pretty, it's pretty wide gap. It's not a real narrow gap. So, yes, his ceiling is up over 30 passing scores, no doubt about it. But I, I look at, um, you know, I look at the number, and that's one area where he could des- definitely exceed expectation. I don't think he'll exceed expectation by much with the rushing yards. Pretty bullish rushing yards wise, seven hundred thirty-six and eight touchdowns on the ground, on one hundred and thirty rushing attempts. He projects out as the number three fantasy quarterback. That is exactly where he's being drafted. Uh, the numbers match the ADP. And unfortunately, the ADP means that I am not going to have this guy on any of my 
home redraft leagues because he's going to go entirely too early for my liking. That is one of the curses of, uh, you know, when these guys are really good, they're going to go in the early rounds, the first five rounds very likely. I'm not drafting a quarterback that early because roster construction-wise just simply doesn't make sense. Uh, but I, I do, by the way, playing best ball, if you're going to play enough best balls, it does make sense to have exposure to Kyler, to Mahomes, to Josh Allen, even though I'd never draft those guys in a million years in a home league. But in best ball, it does make sense to spread your exposure out. So Kyler projecting out very favorably. He does, of course, still have DeAndre Hopkins. And, and it's funny, I look back at last year's projections for DeAndre Hopkins and I remember saying, man, six touchdowns feels low. Well, it was spot on. It was spot on. The touchdown efficiency isn't necessarily there. And I think that in part, it's a product of his very low ADOT targets. You know, he's a guy who is not going to be targeted 15 yards downfield on the regular. He's probably more of an 11 to 12 yards downfield. It's not super low. It's not like Michael Thomas low ADOT or Jarvis Landry low ADOT, but it's still relatively low. I do have him really bullishly at 112 catches, though, almost 1,400 yards. Hopkins projecting out as the number five fantasy receiver. He should see plenty of volume this year. He just may, you know, he doesn't quite have the ceiling of some of the other guys up there. He certainly doesn't have the ceiling of Tyreek Hill. Doesn't have the ceiling of Devontae Adams if Aaron Rodgers is on the team or you know even Stephon Diggs, but still super high floor with Hopkins. Now, the question, though, is, who else gets the football? Because we know it's not going to be the tight ends because it's Arizona freaking Cardinals, and they don't throw their freaking tight ends. Max Williams, right. <laughs> Ain't going to happen. So who else, you know, how, how do the targets get distributed from there? And I do think when you look at it, I mean, as of now, I, I don't love A.J. Green. If you've listened to me for long enough, you know that I've thought A.J. Green has been toast for whatever, two or three years at this point. So he's toast, but teams can lie to you at a press conference, on a Zoom interview, even on the radio or wherever, you know, wherever they're appearing and they're talking, they can lie, flat out lie. They cannot lie with their roster moves. If they think they have a deficiency, they're going to address the deficiency very likely in the offseason via free agency, perhaps via trade and certainly via the draft. Well, no trade here, but hmm, let's see. The Arizona Cardinals added a free agent wide receiver in A.J. Green, and hmm, they drafted a fairly premium player on day two in Rondale Moore. That does not paint a very favorable picture here of Andy Isabella, Keyshawn Johnson, and perhaps even Christian Kirk. By the way, I don't think Larry Fitzgerald will come back. I really don't, uh, and I love Larry Fitzgerald. Love him, but, you know, expiration date for every single player, unfortunately. So as I view it right now, I don't like A.J. Green that much, but I do think that given the current amount of information we have, if this team was ever to go to two wide, which they don't, <laughs> rarely, but he would be the guy I think would stay on the field with Hopkins. So A.J. Green I have slotted in as the number two target. It isn't even enough to to get him into the top 60, though, and you know, I talked about Kyler's ceiling floor combination. is It's got a wide gap. Well, A.J. Green, he doesn't have a particularly high ceiling. So I, I would say that this is probably a reasonable expectation. I have 56 catches, 622, and four touchdowns for him. That's a snooze fest if I ever saw one right there. So really the exciting players are Rondale Moore and Christian Kirk. If either one of them could get that target share or even slightly more, like triple-digit targets, 
That'd be exciting, but I just don't know if that happens. And I do view Rondale Moore's presence on this depth chart as an indictment of Christian Kirk, not only of Andy Isabella, but of Christian Kirk as well. So right now I have Moore getting slightly more targets. See what I did there? 74 targets for him, 68 for Kirk. Neither one is going to be a viable fantasy option if things shake out this way. If we see a little bit of a rotation, and that would be a slot rotation because, mind you, one thing we absolutely know for certain with Cliff Kingsbury is he doesn't move his wide receivers. Like, literally, DeAndre Hopkins will not move. He will play his side, which I don't like, but I digress. So this is the battle for the slot. I think Rondell Moore is the better option, but I think out of the gate we'll probably see more Christian Kirk, and eventually we'll have a little changing of the guard, and that's why I have more with slightly more receptions and targets. Not too sexy for year one, though. All right, so let's talk about the elephant in the room finally here. The backfield is different than last year, state the obvious. No Kenyon Drake, and we'll talk about Kenyon Drake with the Raiders when I get to that team there. Uh, this team, I love this guy, Kenyon Drake. We'll talk about that in a future podcast. And I will do over-under on Gruden impersonations, five and a half for that show. Anyway. James Conner is in. James Conner, basically a cult hero for what he did in the Le'Veon Bell holdout year, but a perennial disappointment, right? I think we know not to expect much out of James Conner. So, the fantasy masses, the Chase Edmonds truthers, which is almost the same exact group of people, (laughs) think that there's a possibility Edmonds could be a three-down back. Now, Edmonds has already come out on his own, and he said he could be a 20-touch type guy, but not a 20-carry type guy. So, that's important right there. He acknowledged he would be on the sidelines in short-yarded situations with Connor taking that work. That is important right there. And I also think it's important to note that teams typically have roles. Like, we tend to think of these guys as running backs, but they're not exactly that for the teams. You could have an early down back. You could have a change of pace back or a passing down specialist or a scat back or a satellite player or whatever you want to call them. But if the team views a guy that way, they're not going to typically change their view. And if a guy gets pigeonholed into that sort of role, typically the league doesn't change their point of view. See, Johnson, Duke. Okay? I think that's the type of player Chase Edmonds is. Giovanni Bernard, Duke Johnson, Chris Thompson, maybe with Chris Thompson with a few more carries. That type of player. And that's not a knock on Chase Edmonds. This dude had over 50 catches last year. But he also had under 100 carries last year. And meanwhile, you had almost 240 carries for Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Lackluster Drake, that is what it says on his birth certificate, had almost 240 carries. What makes us think that Chase Edmonds is now going to be that guy? He's not. Is he a 50-catch guy? Oh, yeah. I think he is. I don't think that changes whatsoever. But... To think that now now he's going to get all that work and then James Conner is essentially a number two. No, I think James Conner is sliding into the Kenyon Drake role. Last year was basically a 70-30 split between Drake and Edmonds in early downs. I think it was like 71-29 to be precise. 
I have that a little bit closer. So I have James Conner with 186 rushes. I have Chase Edmonds with 130. And even that feels really bullish to me. A lot of that is like, you know, third down rushes. So Edmonds is going to look off the charts. But remember, he's running against sub-package defense, which essentially means he's running against extra defensive backs on the, f- on the field. So he's got an advantage. It's part of the reason why Todd Gurley looks so freaking good in the McVeigh era, early Gurley there. Because he was running against sub package all the time. Then, you know, Drake last year and then Connor this year will look more inefficient because they're going to be running against more base defense where that extra linebacker is on the field. And now the defense has the advantage. I just don't see much more than that, though. And and what this is going to do is A, it's going to frustrate the you know what out of fantasy players because they're going to see Chase Edmonds. He's going to look explosive, he's going to look awesome. But his volume is going to be capped because that's his role in the offense, and they're going to demand more. That He's going to go out, he'll have a big week. People will start him the following week, and he'll have a bad week. Not, not a bad week, but you know a down week for fantasy purposes. And that's going to be frustrating. And James Conner is just not going to be – the ceiling's not going to be high enough to really entice you to use him much. But projections-wise – Chase Edmonds, 27 among running backs. James Conner, 30. Yay. That's a full-blown fantasy football committee. <laughs> Joy. Joy right there. So, yeah, we I don't think we're going to get much there, unfortunately. But with Kyler, with Hopkins, and then maybe, just maybe, if there's a one of these uh, wide receivers can kind of jump ahead of A.J. Green in the pecking order, we at least have that going for us, which, as Bill Murray once said, is nice. All right, next up on the list is the Atlanta Falcons. Another lackluster backfield, I think, for fantasy purposes. Don't give me that Mike Davis stuff. But we got to talk about one Kyle Pitts along with Will Julio Jones be traded. Oh, he thinks he's out. He thinks he's out. So that'll be coming up on the next podcast. Hey, do me a favor in the meantime, though. Follow along with me on social media at Jeff Radcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Radcliffe on Instagram. And uh, use the hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of this podcast. So we're going to roll through. This will be a nice little uh, roll through OTAs as we get into that little break period before training camp kicks off. Uh, taking us through the next 31 now episodes of the Rant Podcast. All right. I will catch you on the flip side. I'm Jeff Radcliffe, and I'm out of here. <laughs>